This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Scott Eklund. Time for another edition of Dogman Radio for those outside the city of Seattle and uh, outside the state. Snowmageddon expected to hit sometime tonight. Looks like we're going to be free and clear of it. For most of the day on Friday, snow expected to start falling probably sometime after 9 o'clock tonight. And guessing in the Seattle area, they're expecting about five inches, but it won't stick. It's supposed to be up into the mid forties next week. So, uh, for those outside the state and down in the desert, yeah, you're missing out. But anyway, Scott, just, uh, just, it's that time of year where we go from zero to 60 in no time flat. But earlier this week, we kind of had an inkling of what was going on with Jeremiah Martin, the defensive end out of Texas A&M originally out of, is it, was he from LA Scott? He was from uh, Cajon High School, I think, which was down in the San Bernardino area. Right. Um, so it, I don't know if that's L.A. proper or not, but in that area. SoCal. Yep. But uh, anyways, he was a guy that Washington was recruiting pretty heavily out of high school. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, when I talked to him, he said Washington was an offer that came in a little late for him. And I asked him what late meant. And he said, well, everybody else was offering me during my junior year and they came in like after my junior year. And I was like, Oh my gosh, these kids consider that late. Okay. Anyway. So, um, he, but he said they, they were a school that always kind of hung around. He really liked the defense that they ran, felt like they played high end, uh, top, top notch football. And so it caught his eye when he got an offer from them. Uh, but he said Texas A&M had been his favorite for a long time, and he had kind of wanted to get out of that, out of the Pac-12, and just kind of go out and see what else was out there. And Jimbo Fisher and his staff really put the high, the pressure on him and and made him feel the love and all that kind of stuff. So he ended up signing there. But he said if he hadn't signed with Texas A&M, that Washington would have been the school he went to. And uh, he just had a really good relationship with the coaches, loved the the area up here. Uh, felt like it was a place that could develop him as a player as well as, you know, help him become a man. Um, that was under Chris Peterson, though. So he said um, the, he loves the fact that Jimmy Lake's the head coach because it's a defensive minded coach. He knows they're going to remain defensive minded, even with Pete Kwiatkowski gone now. And uh, he said he's just really excited to get up here and get to work. What happened down at Texas A&M? He didn't have a lot of production down there. Yeah, yeah, and and I I've talked to a few people about it. I talked to him about it. He said he just never really felt like he fit in down there. <clears throat> and when he said that, he didn't mean on the football field. He just meant off it. He said it's really weird for a West Coast kid to come um, to a to an SEC program to a school in Texas. Our our priorities are different. Are um, you know the things we we have grown up with is a lot different than they have, um, and he said it, it's just it's different, and I never really felt 
like I fit in. I, I kind of just hung out by myself, didn't do a lot with some of the other guys. And he says, I already know a lot of people up at Washington, so that shouldn't be a problem. But he also, you know, and then I talked to some people that weren't obviously Jeremiah Martin. They were people that were kind of around the situation. And I asked why he lacked some success. And, and one of the um, Texas insider or Texas Texas, uh, Texas A&M insiders that I know um, let me know. He said, hey, when when Jeremiah was offered, he was under was it Chavis was the was the defensive coordinator. I can't remember who the court defensive coordinator was, but they ran a true four three. And Jeremiah was a guy who would have played, put his hand in the ground, played on the edge and um, just fired off, got upfield and got after the quarterback, which is what he did really, really well coming out of high school, had 30 over 30 sacks as a senior in high school at Cajon High School. So, um, you know, and, but when when by the time he got there, that defensive coordinator had gone and, and Mike Elko had come in as the new defensive coordinator and he installed a different kind of a defense which actually mirrors what Washington is kind of doing with a 3-4 hybrid 3-4 which you're you're using quite a bit of um you know only like two down linemen four um four linebackers and Jeremiah was expected to be one of those guys and that just wasn't his game it didn't really fit his skill set and all that so that was one of the reasons then another person uh that I talked to said that Jimbo Fisher knows he's never going to have to come into Cajon High School and recruit a kid again. So the the fact is that, you know, Pac-12 schools will know they, they need to come down to Cajon and they'll give the kid a fair shot. They don't feel like Jeremiah got a fair shot there and that Jimbo Fisher basically said, if this guy isn't elite and better than all the guys we have, we're going to default to the Texas kids and the kids from the SEC where we're going to be recruiting all the time. And so that's why he never really got the opportunity. One thing of note, and one thing I noted in the impact report that I wrote up, one of the things to like about Martin was he never complained. He played special teams, and he will do whatever it is to help his team. So he came in with a good attitude, stayed with that good attitude, and hopefully that carries on up here at the University of Washington. Give me a little bit of a scouting report, Scott. What's there to like about this kid? He didn't have a lot of production down there, but uh, sometimes that's not the whole story. Yeah, he, he's got that quick twitch athleticism. I mean, he honestly looks a lot like Joe Tryon a little bit to me. Maybe not quite as tall. I think he's 6'5", and Joe Tryon's almost 6'6". Uh, same body though, same type of body, same type of game really. And remember it took Joe Tryon a little bit to, to get the system down, but man, after those first couple games in 2019, he really exploded, had a team leading eight sacks, had, um, what was it like 10, 15, something like that tackles for loss was playing in the backfield a lot and really seemed like he was ready to be a, an absolute stud in 2020. Then, then we have the whole COVID thing and he didn't get to get on the field. Well, Jeremiah Martin, I think plays a lot of the same way that Joe Tryon did. Now, will he be able to play in space? Will he be able to play in reverse a little bit? That's what we kind of need to see. Cause he struggled with that at Texas A&M. So we'll have to see, but I think what you have to really like about him is his quick, quick twitch athleticism, his length, his size, uh, for the edge, he should be able to handle uh, tight ends and tackles that are trying to block him on the run. You really have to hold up on the edge. Washington wasn't able to do that last year with Zion Tupawola, Fatui, and uh, Savelle Smalls. 
getting eaten up by some of those guys because they don't really have the technique yet. They haven't done it enough. They don't know exactly the technique that they need, and they don't have the overall core strength that they need to hold that edge. Well, Jeremiah Martin has that, and so I think you'll see him not struggle in setting the edge as much as maybe he would have if he was a little bit younger. But definitely a guy that – can, can come in and be a factor at Washington. He, maybe he doesn't start right away. Maybe Zion and Ryan Bowman are your two starters, and then Savelle and Jeremiah Martin are the guys coming off the, the, the bench. And then you have Leatu Latu, who's also in there too. So Washington's got a lot of bodies and a lot of different body styles to throw in there at those two outside linebacker spots. He has three years to play two. Is that correct? Yeah, three years to play two. He he never redshirted. He played as a true freshman in 2018, played as a sophomore in 2019, played this last year, but because the NCAA put everything on hold, he basically is coming in as a true junior to the University of Washington. You know, a lot of time people just, they get tired of me saying it, but a lot of time it's about fit. You know, going to a program that is running a scheme that uh, that scheme is made for your strengths. But if you go to a system where they're doing things that aren't your strength, you can seem like a fish out of water. This guy definitely has the measurables that you're looking for. And it looks like, you know, the scheme that he's coming to at Washington is going to be a fit as well. Yeah, I I think so. Um, You know, we'll we'll just have to wait and see. I, I mean, I've made... A couple comments that Washington's mirrors Texas A&M's a little bit, but maybe he has a bit better of a relationship with the Husky coaching staff. Maybe the Husky coaching staff has a little bit more buy-in with him and are going to use him in different ways. And maybe they've seen some of the film from Texas A&M and how he was used, and maybe they won't use him in that same way. So um, just a lot of questions. I think there's more questions and answers at this point, but when you have the chance to bring in a guy with his size, his athleticism, his experience, and his attitude, I think you've got to bring him in and, and see what he can do in your defense. I know a lot of people look at recruiting and they're just looking at the stars. They're looking at the rankings, you know, and the coaches go a little bit further where I talked about fit. A lot of these players you can just look at as uh, pieces of clay, you know, and some are more developed than others. But what can you make out of that piece of clay, you know, when you're looking for specific measurables, whether it's height and weight or athleticism and length? You're looking for those measurables that, you know, you think that you may be able to mold that piece of clay into something specific or something special. And Washington's defense has done a really good job of that. But, you know, when you take a look at uh, Jeremiah Martin, that piece of clay may be further along than a lot of the high school kids. But, uh, you know, I can't stress enough. Sometimes it's what you can make out of a kid. And sometimes the rankings are, you know, based upon, you know, I know that they're based on NFL projections, but it's a lot easier to project a guy who's a little bit further along than a guy, you know, that has a long, a lot further to go, Scott. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, it's, it's what Greg Biggins, Blair and Gulo, Brendan Huffman, all those guys do, Steve Wiltfong, all those guys do when they're, when they're trying to rate guys and, and put them all up on a board. And, and this guy's better than that guy. And this guy's ranked higher than that guy. And these guys are five stars and these guys are four stars. I don't envy what they do. People ask me all the time, Scott, could this kid kid get up to a four star? I don't know. I don't know what he looks like compared to some of these other guys. I'm focusing on the on the ones that Washington, uh, you know, is is focused on. I'm not really focused on some kid from Alabama that Washington isn't even interested or doesn't even have a chance with. So um, I don't know. But when 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 you see Jeremiah Martin and you watch him, he was a skinnier kid at when he came out of 
Cajon High School. He was about 225, 230 pounds, and apparently he put on about 25 pounds between his senior year and his freshman year at Texas A&M. And some people felt he lost maybe a little bit of his quickness, which was what really made him good. But he did that because he knew he needed to bulk up and play on that edge and be able to hold it. So, you know, it, like you said, Kim, it, a lot of it is projection. We don't know exactly. I think the guys at 247 do the best job of anyone in the country at rating guys and, and getting the full scoop and rating them comparatively to the other guys in their class and to other guys in other classes. And I, so I think they have a really tough job. I think they do a really good job, but obviously it's not perfect. They're fallible. They, they're, I, I was on a podcast with Brandon Huffman, and I asked him, what was one guy that you're embarrassed about that you rated so high, and he just turned out into a flop? And he, the guy he mentioned was that running back, and I'm totally drawn a blank on his name now. Um, he was from St. Bonaventure. He was the number one running back in the country, went to Colorado, and did absolutely nothing. And I think his last name was Scott. Um, but I don't remember his first name. But anyway, he he was a guy, and and Brandon was completely embarrassed by the fact that he had promoted this guy to be the number one guy. Then uh, I don't who was that uh, offensive lineman out of U.S. or out of Colorado that went to USC and was the number one lineman in the country and top ten guy in the entire country as an offense as a center. Do you remember yeah. that guy? Yeah. And then he gets hurt the whole time. He's hurt the entire time. Doesn't really live up to the hype and. But then you and then you see guys who are lower three star guys or walk on guys um, that make it in the NFL, and it's just it's such a crapshoot. It's really hard to measure heart and uh, instincts and what they can do. Sometimes you just have to go off of the of the physical traits of some of these kids, and and when you're rating them for our, our systems, whereas uh, college coaches. You know, as much as we might talk to coaches at the high school and prep level and some of the trainers, the college coaches are talking to them 10 times as much as we are and getting way more information on these kids than we are. So there's only so much you can do. And and um, so a guy like Jeremiah Martin, you looked at his physical skills and you looked at his productivity and you said, OK, this guy is an absolute stud. And um, but you know, d- did he fit? Like you said, Kim, and, and you said people get sick of it, but it is true. Did he fit with the Texas A&M situation or did they sell him a bill of goods thinking that they could squeeze him in and, and you know, pitch, or fit him into their system and he really wasn't a good fit for their system? I don't know. Yeah, I think one of the interesting guys to, you know, look uh, forward to watching his progression. I think if you talk about a player with a blank slate and, uh, you know, a piece of clay just out of the wrapper where you're just taking a look at the measurables and maybe projecting on what can you make of that guy. And that's the kid that they've got coming in from Renton High School in COC finale because a lot of people just didn't know about him. But you take a look at the measurables because he's like 6'5". I think a lot of people originally had him listed at 260, but sounds like he's closer to 300. You take a look at his film and, you know, from talking to some of the coaches, they say they really like his ability to chase down the ball. And they haven't had a guy who can play interior defensive line with the ability to chase guys down since Vita Vea. I'm not comparing him to Vita Vea, but when you can get a defensive lineman who can run, who's got the measurables, who's got the obvious athletic background and that he's wrestling and he's doing track and he's got all the things you ask for. He just hasn't played a lot of football. That, to me, is a guy that is really intriguing. And if you want to talk about maybe a test case for just taking a guy on measurables alone, 
I think he's a guy to really take, you know, follow, you know, follow and see what they can make out of him because I can't remember. Well, they've got the other guy, the defensive end coming in from Germany, Himes. But uh, take a look at those two guys and see what they're able to make out of those guys because, boy, can you think of two more, you know, um, blank slates than those two guys, Scott? Yeah, definitely. And, uh, I mean, especially Maurice Himes. At least C.O.C. Finau has played varsity football. <laughs> yeah. Know? Maurice Himes hasn't even taken a snap of varsity football, and he's only played football for two years so far. So, um, you know, it's it. he's a, a complete project, but everybody I've talked to has said this guy is the real deal. He just has to learn uh uh, technique, and he learned, and he needs to learn the game of football, which he doesn't really know right now. He's going off of sheer athleticism and what he can do, and so there's, they're like, you have to be patient. He is not going to make an impact for at least a couple years, but when he does make that impact with his size and his attitude and his work ethic and all the things that he brings to the table, he's going to be a special player down the road. Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting, and it looks like we're going to be starting spring football tentatively. You know, I'm hearing right around April 4th, the Combine, the Pro Combine. NFL is not doing the Pro Combine in Indianapolis like they do every year. They're doing them at individual schools, and Washington's is on March 30th. Um, I don't know if they're going to stream it or allow media in or anything like that, but we'll have to wait and see, but mark your calendars for Pro Day at UW on March 30th, and then UW also typically has their own Combine Day, which is uh, just all the guys, same as the NFL Combine, they just do it for all the UW guys, where we've had access to the past, but we just don't know with uh, the virus and stuff that's going on, so we've got our fingers crossed that maybe we'll get into see a Pro Day, see a Combine, see uh, some spring football in the month of April, but Oh, we'll see how that goes. Um, any surprises coming up for the uh, Pro Day, Scott, that uh, you're aware of? Well, I'm always interested to see the players that come back and do workouts, the ones that aren't currently with a team, uh, 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 NFL team, that come back and, and do what they can during the Pro Day. And also some of the like the Eastern Washington kids. They'll have a couple Eastern Washington kids that will come over or, or Southern Oregon or Central Washington guys who – want to show what they can do as well. So um, that, that's always interesting to see as well as some of those guys. But, I mean, the five guys that you're really looking at are Elijah Molden, uh, Keith Taylor, and Joe Tryon, Levi Anzarike. And uh, I guess that will only be four guys that you're really looking at um, right now. Those are the ones that everybody will be in town to see, especially I think Tryon's a guy that everybody wants to see. What does he look like? What does Levi Anzarike look like? Because – he was at the spring or the senior bowl practices, but he only practiced one day and then he got hurt. So what does he look like now? Is it was the injury anything to worry about? So those are two guys that a lot of a lot of uh, draft analysts and pundits all think are going to go are have a chance to go in the first round. And so when teams spend those first round draft choices, they do a lot of investigating. They they almost do too much where they can talk themselves out of kids. So. Um, you know, I, those are those are the guys I think everybody's going to want to see. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see upwards of 25 to 30 teams. You know, maybe not every team comes in to uh, look at them because you I, I mean, what what has been the most that we've seen? It's been like 27 or 28. And that was the year that Buddha and Kevin King and Sidney Jones all were coming out. Right. Yeah. If I remember correctly, that was the big one. Jake, Jake Locker was another one that 
what that drew a ton of teams to it. But um, I just don't know if we're going to see that many uh, teams mostly. But then then when Levi is turning out to be one of the top interior guys in the entire NFL draft, and then you got Joe Tryon, who a lot of people don't know a lot about. They're still trying to figure him out and what he can do and what his ceiling is. So um, I think a lot of them want to come out and see these guys. Yeah, Joe's put on a ton of good weight. He he looks like an absolute monster. Adonis, yeah. I mean, he just unbelievable. But the other thing about uh, Tryon and um, and Onuzurike is they haven't played in a live game in over a year. Well, it'll be he- like a year and a half before they before they get even out on the out on the uh, you know are drafted. But since they played a game, that's really of- hard to judge. Well, there's a lot of game film on Levi, but when you take a look at Joe, a lot of the game film that was available was before he kind of exploded, you know, and Mm -hmm. what did he have four or five games? That was it where, I mean, he was really busting out. So there's not a lot of film of him game wise. So again, he's going to be one of those pieces of clay that they're going to have to project because like you said, he's, he's close to six, six and probably 260, maybe even 270. And, you know, when he walks into the room, especially when he's got his shirt off, he yeah. looks the part. It's like looking in a mirror, Kim. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. Not really. Like, he's one of those guys that said, why do you buy shirts? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's just so you can go in restaurants, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, also just earlier this week, we uh, got notification of all the new contracts signed by the coaches and Rip Rowan, of course, being the new guy, Bob Gregory being elevated to uh, uh, defensive coordinator and a couple of un- other coaches got nice size bumps as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, Bob Gregory is going to average about 800 grand uh, per year. Um, I don't know what, do we know what, uh, do you remember what Pete Kwiatkowski was at? I think he was at one, one. Yeah. 1.1. So uh, Gregory is going to, be a little bit less than that. And, um, you know, Rip Rowan is a guy I, I'm really excited to see what this guy can do. If, if the, if whatever, with everything we're hearing about his, his off the field stuff and what he can do and how motivational he is and how, how much energy he brings, I'm real excited to see what he can do. Um, you know, good for, uh, Ikaika Malloy, you know, he's up to 410,000, um, per year and uh just it, it it's unchanged from what he made last year but um he's got some uh additional compensation that can take him up over um 500k per year and he he's such a good coach and such a such a uh good guy to that relates to the kids really well you also see um uh will harris at uh 315,000 for this year up and that's about a $15,000 bump from last year and, um, you know, we've got all these coaches have those incentives, those APR incentives, Pac-12 and CF, uh, CFP bowl championship game uh, bonuses that they can get. So um, that's always interesting to see as well. What's interesting is a lot of people don't look at the staff and think about it, but uh, this is not an old staff. This is actually a pretty young coaching staff, Scott. Yeah, I, I, most of them are under the age of, uh, I, I think Bob Gregory's over 50. And he'd be the only one, I think, that's over 50. Everybody the, else is. Yeah, he's yeah. the closest to the blue hair that you have on the staff. Yeah, I mean, Pete Kwiatkowski was, is, is a little bit older than me as well. So those, And I'll, I'll be 50 this year. So both of those guys were in their 50s. But everybody else, Kim, like you said, is 
is under, I, I don't know what Jimmy Lake is, but he's like under the age of, I think he's under 45. Yeah. So um, most of the staff is under the age of 45 and a lot of them are under the age of 35. Yeah. Will Harris, Terrence Brown, Scott Huff, Junior Adams. None of those, those aren't old guys. No, they aren't at all. No. Nope. So, yeah. yeah, kind of a younger staff. But uh, if, if you get a chance to look at the uh, coaching salary database, there's some interesting stuff to kind of sort through on that for sure. Um, Scott, what's uh, recruiting? Kind of a slow time right now. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of evaluations going on, which is really tough because there's not a lot to evaluate. Yeah, there, you know, there's no senior film, at least from the Pac-12 footprint, other than Arizona and Utah, I think, are the only two states out west that played football this past fall. Um, we're hoping to get, I mean, the Washington high schools are working out, and uh, we have to see what happens. But uh, we could have some high school football here pretty soon. It doesn't sound like Nevada is going to play, and it doesn't sound like um, California is planning to play. I'm not sure about Oregon either. So, I mean, that's that's a big chunk of kids not playing, very likely not playing this spring or or any kind of season this year of uh, football. And it just, you know, I, I really I don't want to get into it, but it's so short sighted of these people uh, that are making these decisions. I understand why they're fearful of making these decisions, but we've we've other states across the country have played games and they've even had fans at the games. And there hasn't been an issue with with huge breakouts or all these different things. So it, it's just it's frustrating to watch these kids. You know what? As much as I like watching football and I want the Huskies and all the college coaches to be able to make good evaluations, that isn't my main point in this. My main point is these kids need this. A lot of these kids need to play football, need to play sports, need to play volleyball and baseball and all these different sports that they can play. They need to play these partly because it just helps them stay motivated and focused, but also because this is how they find their way to go to college. A lot of these kids can't afford to go to school because, I mean, it's it's 50000 a year to go to some of these schools, if not more. And if they can get on a scholarship, that is – I just it, – it's really hard for me to hold my tongue because I try not to get political, but it just feels so political in a lot of these things. There's just a lot of fear and a lot of people not under they, – they say they're going by the science, but if you look at the science, they're not going by it, and it's frustrating at, at times for me. Hey, just a quick word from our sponsors, and when we return, I want to touch bases on a few more recruiting things, Scott. So uh, we'll be back after the break. It's the guys from dogman.com. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back. I'm Kim Grenolds along with Scott Eklund on Dogman Radio. Scott, with what recruiting is going on and the small class size expected by University of Washington this year, they've only got about 10 spots. Is that about right? Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's 11 spots because they've got four committed in the class. And um, 
you know, there, there is going to be some attrition. They might be able to get up to 16, maybe 17, but anybody who thinks they're going to get to 20, like it's a sure thing. Okay, there's always a possibility a lot of guys could leave that we're not expecting to leave and the coaches aren't expecting to leave. But right now, that's just not reality. And the expectation is for a lot of these kids to still return in 2022. So um, the first quote-unquote regular size class, and when I say that, I'm talking like 21, 22, maybe 23 guys, is going to be the 2023 recruiting class. And luckily for Washington, the state, you know, the Huskies, the state of Washington, it's pretty loaded with some some really talented kids in 2023. But um, yeah, it's it's going to be a small class. They're going to probably take three offensive linemen. I could see four if the right guys are the ones that want to commit and come in. Um, you know, they're only going to take probably two, maybe three defensive backs. They're looking for a quarterback. They really do need to get a quarterback in this class, but um, you know they're going to have to be real choosy, and it's going to be tough with Sam Heward kind of you know weighing into a lot of decisions for some of these kids. They've only they're only going to take one wide receiver in this class, maybe two if it's the right one. But they've already got Jeremy Bernard. They're only going to take two bucks. They've already got one. And uh, so they're going to have to hold off on some of these guys. They're not even recruiting any interior defensive linemen for this class. So, um, you know, just a lot of it's going to be fluid with the numbers. But, uh, you know, they're kind of locked in at about 16, 17 at the max. There is going to be frustration by some of you out there because it will seem like recruiting is slow. We will hear the words lack of momentum. It is what it is, people. They only got 10, 11 spots. They don't have 20 spots left. So it's going to be slow. They're going to lose out on a lot of guys because they just can't take a lot of guys. So I think it's important for people to have realistic expectations and understand not only the process, but understand the numbers. They just can't take everybody. They just don't have rooms, you know. So when Oregon gets a guy or they're taking a bunch of guys or USC or some of these other schools, Washington just doesn't have the room. You can't take them all. They just don't have room. So I think it's important for people to understand that. Anything locally recruiting to update, Scott? Well, um, there's going to be some camps in the Pac-12 footprint here over the next six to ten weeks. And I'll be hitting a couple of those. You and I have kind of been talking about a travel schedule for me, one down in Arizona, one over in Utah, and one in California that we've talked about. So uh, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. I'll be having reports from all those as long as we're allowed to go to those things. Um, Also, uh, locally, um, I think there – oh, yeah, the Pylon 7-on-7 is down in Las Vegas this weekend, and FSP I think won that last year. I can't remember. I know they won the national championship, and I think they won that one last year. Whatever it is, FSP will be down there. They're loaded again with a lot of top kids from the region and from the area. Um, so uh, keep an eye on that. There's just there's a lot of of um, talented kids that are out there and throwing the ball around and doing their thing. Air is also a pretty good seven on seven program up here. They're in the, they're more in the South Sound. They're they they've got a lot of kids on their team as well. So there, so you know, we'll just have to see. There's not a lot of camps going on up here. Um, I'll be hitting anything that I can. I'll pro and um, right now it's not looking like they're going to allow anybody into high school football games if they are played. But if they do, 
allow people in games. I will be at several of them watching Sam Heward. I want to see Sam Heward, what he looks like in his development. I know that he's already pretty de- pretty well developed as it is, but I want to get out there and see him. I want to see Jabez Tanay. I want to see Will Latu uh, if I can this year. I want to see Jabari, um, uh, Jabari Johnson from uh, Lincoln High School, you know, 2023 quarterback prospect that – didn't really play other than in garbage time last year. So um, that'll be kind of interesting to watch him and see how he develops. There's a lot of good offensive linemen in the state, Josh Connerly, Dave Iuli, um, and uh, Vega, Ijuane, Vega Ijuane from uh, Graham Kapowson. So a lot of guys that I want to get down and see uh, down there in the south end as well as up here in the middle of the of the, of the the region. And then, uh, Schlembacher, Jovensky Schlembacher, the kid from uh, Bellingham that Washington has offered, probably going to be the running back they end up taking when it's all said and done. So uh, lots of kids to see. Hopefully I get to go out and watch a few of them this year. Sounds like you're going to get a chance to watch Sam Heward. I sure hope Ru- so. On oh, Root, on Root Sports. On, on Root Sports. Right. Expect a couple of those Kennedy games to uh, be on Root Sports. So yeah. I think we'll have some high school football with uh, Root. So uh, we'll see how that goes. So um, just real quick, the basketball team last night uh, defeated by USC. Just a really tough year for the basketball team. They play UCLA 430 on Saturday, and we'll see. That should be interesting. We'll see how UCLA gets to the game with the snow that's predicted. So um, I think there's six or seven more games left in Washington State. The Apple Cup of basketball is being played on Monday night. So I know it's been a tough year, but um, – Let's get through this year and see the changes that are made in the yeah, office. I'm looking I'm looking forward to seeing that. I, I, I think there should be a lot of people. I know that a lot of people are are down on uh, Mike Hopkins, but I think some of the changes that you know are likely to be made on in the within that program are gonna be positive ones. And I'm really excited to see what this team looks like here over the next, you know, twelve to eighteen months. There will be a lot of changes. Yes. A lot. Hey, if I know about them, then that means there's a lot because <laughs> I'm not a basketball guy. Scott, can you name the starting lineup for the University of Washington men's basketball team? Uh, Jamal, Jamal Bay. Um, you have Quad A Green. Is Sahonas a starter? No. No, he isn't. He comes off the bench, right? Yeah. So uh, Riley Storn has been starting. I know that. Nope. No? No. He's, he's been playing a lot. I know that. Um, so, uh, Hamir Wright is one. Yeah. And, and I'm close. I think I'm pretty good considering that I, I, I look, I'm a dad and a husband. I've got a lot on my plate as it is. And then I got all the football stuff. I'm lucky that I even know my own name. See, yeah. this is why I don't talk too much, Scott, because you make me want to get married again and have more yes. children. Yes, I know I do. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. How many did I get? Three. Well, you got. I got Bay Green and and Kamir Wright, and then Trent Roberts is one. Nate Roberts. That's Nate four. Roberts. And then, um, geez, I don't remember the third, the fifth one. Sorry. He's a transfer. You you're speaking a different language from me. Now <laughs> I just I don't know. I apologize. Eric Stevenson. Okay. Oh, geez. Jeez, Jimmy Chitwood. I kept calling him Jimmy Chitwood to a bunch of friends. 
So, um, yeah. And I mean, and then we've seen Cole Bajima playing a little bit more. I know that. Um, yeah. I've watched several of the last few games. So, yeah. Oh, you're getting there. So it's just like when we were doing radio, when you started talking about basketball, Patterson and I would just look at each other, you know, so here well, we go. I understand the game of basketball. I just don't know all the players because I don't follow it that closely. All right. Anything I'm, glad, else we- I'm happy when the Huskies win, though. That's a good thing. <laughs> Anything else we need to cover, Scott? Uh, other than embarrassing me, I'm going to get trashed on the hoops board. Um, no, not right now. I mean, like I said, we've got we've got some things on the horizon with the draft, with um, hopefully uh, spring ball will be open enough for us to go watch. Uh, hopefully uh, things open up on April 15th that recruits can go out and visit. I've seen a lot of kids, recruits, putting out notices to the NCAA that they think this is completely ridiculous that because division one or division two and division three can host visits. Did you know that Kim? Yeah. By the way, I'm just getting a text from fetters. Yeah. <laughs> Wanted to know. He just woke up. Oh, okay. I want to know if we want to do the podcast now. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> Hey, you know what? I, as someone who has accidentally missed the the podcast before, and also uh, been an hour late to the radio show, I will I will give him a pass. Should we I ghost him? him Should we ghost him? Nope. Come on. Nope. God, you need to get better at tormenting people. Yeah. Oh, me. I'm a dad. I trust me. That's on its way. All right. All right. Well, hey, uh, just real quick, we just want to say we appreciate all you got all of our subscribers. You know, we've had to crack down on the message board, some kind of maybe a little bit of addition by subtraction and just clamping down and trying to make the place a little bit more readable. We seem to have to have the purge once a year where we have to crack down and things dramatically get better. But, uh, you know, uh, appreciate all you guys that are just, you know, been around for a long time and making it what it is for those, um, you know, that are just casual fans, casual listeners. If you're looking for those daily updates as well as breaking news alerts, just shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter. We will get you hooked up. So for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds, and along with Scott Eklund, go dogs. <laughs>